Our sermon lesson this morning is Exodus chapter 29, verses 45 and 46. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our God and Father, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, um, and that by it you might show us Jesus and give us more life through your spirit. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So this morning we are beginning a, a new series in the book of Exodus that we are going to be on for the next few months. And we're going to be spending a, a lot of time here. And so I think it's appropriate as we begin this journey to ask the question, uh, why Exodus? And that's what we're going to be spending a lot of our time this morning answering that question of why Exodus. But, but before we get to the answer, I want to bring up three specific difficulties that we face as we enter into this book and begin this journey together. The first difficulty is that Exodus is an old book. Uh, not a 1980s book, not, a, not an 1880s old or even a 1580s old, but a 3,000 year old kind of old. And there's a tendency in all of us to what C.S. Lewis called a chronological snobbery, which in other words is a, a way of saying that whatever is new is always better than whatever is old. So in our world, we're always looking for the latest and greatest. And so the question is, why would we give so much of our time, our energy and attention to something that was written so long ago? Second difficulty is Exodus is a very long book. We live in a culture that has moved from novels to movies to TV shows to YouTube clips to TikToks. So what you're noticing is that our, our attention span is not getting longer, but it's getting shorter. I remember a few years ago, I was texting with a friend and we were having this conversation and I, and I thought about a movie clip that just like fit right in. And so I, I sent this friend this movie clip that I just, I thought was hilarious and fit perfectly. It was kind of one of those just awesome moments and I didn't get any response. And I asked them later if if they end up watching it, and the answer was something along the lines of, no, uh, it takes too long <laughs> to, to click on it and then to watch it and then re-enter into the conversation. And it was one of those moments where I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm out of touch with the world. So now I send memes. <laughs> so in a, in a world of highlights and sound bites and tweets, why would we be slowing down? and spending hours and hours to walk our way through this ancient text. The third difficulty is that Exodus is a before Jesus book. And what I mean by that is it's in the Old Testament, which took place before Jesus ever appeared on the scene. So if someone is wanting to know more about the Christian faith and what it's all about and what we believe, 
I'll, I'll often give them a copy of one of the Gospels, maybe the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of Matthew, because what you see in those Gospels is just a very clear and crystallized view of this is who Jesus is. These are the things that he said. These are the things that he did. This is what the Christian faith is all about. It's, it's very accessible in that way. I never, when someone is coming from the outside and wanting to learn about the Christian faith, I never give them a copy of the book of Exodus and say, this is going to answer all your questions about what we believe and who we are and what's important to us. And many of us, if we're honest, when we read the Old Testament, we struggle with it. Uh, it seems like it was just written in a world away by people who are so very different from us and the connecting points in our lives are hard to come by. And so that brings us back to our big question this morning, why Exodus? And I want to answer that in, in two ways. And this is, this is my hope in the way we answer it this morning and beginning our journey is that but by, by coming to some firm convictions about why Exodus, that it would help us to enter it in a new way with a certain anticipation and a certain confidence that what we find in these pages is going to be something very, very valuable to us. It makes me think about the gold rush that happened in Alaska in the 1800s. Why, why would you go so far into such extreme weather, endure such extreme difficulty? And the reason simply is because that there is real treasure to be found. So why Exodus? Two reasons. First, because Exodus was written for us. Now, if we have any good biblical scholars in here, the immediate response should be, well, that's not really true. Exodus actually was not written for us. We weren't in mind at all when Exodus was written. Uh, Exodus is a work in the Old Testament that was written for a very, uh, a, by a particular people in a certain place in a certain time to a particular place by a particular people in a certain time. And that is not us. We are not the original and intended audience. What we are doing in some way is kind of like opening up somebody else's mail and trying to make sense of it. And so, yes, we've got to, to read Exodus in light of its original context of who wrote it, when they wrote it, why they wrote it, and to whom they wrote it. We have to be mindful of those if we are going to make sense of this. But while the Old Testament was written by many different authors in many different places, by many different people, to many different recipients over many different years behind all of these many words is one voice speaking to one people. God's voice speaking across time in every age to his people. As our New Testament lesson points out, whatever was written in former days, i.e. the Old Testament was written. Why? It was written for our instruction. And when it says it was written for our instruction, that means that it was written to guide us. It was written to teach us. It was written to lead us in a particular way. And if that's true, then a good question to ask is, how does Exodus 
written in a very different time than us, written by very different people than us, how does it teach and instruct and guide us today? And it does this in that the book of Exodus addresses some foundational questions of life that have not changed one bit in 3,000 years. And there are three of these foundational questions that I want to put before us that the book of Exodus is going to pull us into and it's going to guide us in it. First foundational question of life is who is God? So we live in a world in which there is no consensus on what God is really like or if a God even exists, what we have is many different voices saying many different things, providing many different opinions. And it matters greatly to us whether or not God exists. And it matters greatly to us if He does exist, what He is like. And what Exodus shows us and tells us is that God very much does exist. And also that he is not hiding. He's not concealing or trying to remain hidden from humanity, but he is intent, very purposeful about revealing himself. He desires to be known for who he really is. So he's revealing himself, who he is and what he's like in a real time, in a real place, with real people, in real words, and real actions, all along the way saying, this is who I am. One of the biggest themes that we're going to see as we journey through Exodus is God saying again and again, I am the Lord. And He's revealing Himself saying, this is who I really am to you. I don't want you to think things about me that are not true. And I want you to relate to me in a way that lines up with reality. The second foundational question of life is who are we? We've already asked the question, who is God? But now the question becomes more personal. Who are we? Are we creatures? The product of an intelligent and benevolent being designing us? Bearing His image? Or are we the right coming together of matter, motion, time, and chance. Things that are irreducible. Are we, are we just simply the product of those coming together in the right way, in the right time? There are questions of identity that are going on all around us. How do we define ourselves? When, when you look in the mirror, who are you? Who are you really? What Exodus shows us is that there's so much more than meets the eye. Exodus is going to show us that we are a people who are made with great purpose. We are a people with great needs. And we are a people with a great God. Third foundational question, how are we to live? So this is where the, the rubber meets the road. We can talking all these sorts of platitudes about, well, this is who God is and this is who we really are, but, but how do we live day to day? Every one of us 
when we wake up in the morning is faced with that question, how am I going to live this day? What am I going to pursue? How am I going to treat those around me? What am I going to give my life for? This very precious life that we all have very little of, what are we going to spend it doing? That's the third fundamental question of life. How are we to live? And once again, in our world, we have all sorts of voices around us that are saying, this is the way. And what we see in Exodus is God himself saying to his people and saying to us, this is the way. And what we're going to see is that God's way that he is leading is the way to true freedom And it's the way to true flourishing. It's a way that can be trusted. And he's saying, follow me. So Exodus was written for us, for our instruction to teach us and to help guide us. But don't miss this. When it says it was written for our instruction, the focus is not just on on information, on a kind of brain dump that just puts facts into our head. The focus on giving us this instruction is to give us encouragement and hope. So look at the rest of that verse for our New Testament lesson. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Why? That through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So over the past two years, we've heard of all sorts of shortages in every area of the supply chain sector. And we've all experienced it in some ways. But as, as, we, as we take a look around in our world, there are some things that are not in short supply at all, that there's abundance of. So there's plenty of weariness. There's plenty of sickness. There's plenty of struggle. There's plenty of doubt. There's plenty of division. There's more than enough of that to go around. In all my conversations, I haven't heard anyone say, you know what, I would love more struggle in my life right now. I'd love more difficulty. It just feels like there's not enough to go around. I'd love to share some with my friends and family who seem to be doing too well. There are two things that are in very short supply. And that is encouragement, and that is hope. We're in desperate need of both. And what we read in this New Testament lesson is that Exodus was written to be that supply. These old words written long ago, far away, were written to us here and now to encourage us, to give us strength. And they were written to give us hope. The kind of hope that isn't rocky, that's not shaking, that doesn't crumble when enough weight presses on it, but something that is sturdy. So that's the first answer to the question, why Exodus? Exodus was written for us, to guide us and instruct us in the way of life and to give us encouragement and to give us hope. The second answer to the question, why Exodus, is because The Exodus story is our story. Just a few days ago, 
the world was watching as uh, a little five-year-old boy fell into a well in the distant land of, of Morocco. And what we saw was his family, his community uh, come alongside it, working together day and night, trying to dig and dig because this boy was located 100 feet uh, below the surface. And so there's labor going on to, to deliver this child out. But it wasn't just to, to rescue this child from the danger that the child is in, but in order to bring this child out to, res- to bring him home. So there is this movement of bringing out and bringing in. This work effort after four days ended in tragedy because the there was a gap that was too great between the needs of of this little boy and the resources of his parents and this community. When we read Exodus, there is a problem that's that's similar to what this little boy was in. And this problem is not just an an Exodus problem. The problem is a, a humanity problem, which means the problem is an our problem. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. If you look at the beginning in Genesis, which means beginnings, it identifies a time when something went terribly wrong with humanity and the world that God has made. So humanity, we see, chooses to turn away from God and begin going in their own way. And there are two serious consequences to this which we're going to talk about again and again as it comes to the book of Exodus because we see it in their life and we see it in our life. The first real consequence is that there is an increasing distance between God and humanity. The closeness, the intimacy, the life that was there at the beginning has been fragmented. And this distance, as you read across Genesis and even in Exodus, begins to grow and grow and grow. There is, there is a delivering out that needs to be done. And second, as this, as this gap begins to spread, there is, a, there is something deeper that's happening. There is an increasing depth of wreckage, of human sin, of human misery, both in the world and in the human heart. And this is where the story of Exodus comes in because what What the people need is to be brought out and to be brought in. They need to be pulled out of their misery, of their sin, of their slavery, and they need to be pulled into a life-giving relationship with the source of life itself. And so what we see is God doing both of those, pulling out of trouble and pulling into family. And what we see is that even though the depth of human need runs incredibly deep, God's power and might and capabilities and love runs that much deeper. As one of my Old Testament professors would say, Exodus is all about rescue and relationship. Look at our sermon text from today. Exodus 29, because this brings it all together. It says, I will dwell among the people of Israel, and I will be their God, and they shall know that I am 
the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Why? That I might dwell with them. I am the Lord their God. The story of the Exodus is the story of a parent rescuing their child from a dark and deadly place with power, with love, in order to bring back home. And this is where we begin to see that the story of the Exodus is actually the story of the whole Bible, which means the story of the Exodus is also our story as well. And we see this clearly in the most central and defining event in all of the Bible, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God. So let's fast forward from Exodus slavery all the way to the night before Jesus' crucifixion. He's celebrating a meal, a final meal with his disciples. And do you remember what meal that is? It's the Passover meal. When was the Passover instituted? It was instituted by God in the book of Exodus. So here, Jesus, the night before he is to be crucified, is celebrating an Exodus meal with his disciples and speaking of what he is doing in Exodus language. In some ways, Jesus is saying what happened long ago was a picture and a pattern for what is happening right now here. That was a shadow of a greater reality that I have come to bring about. He even talks about this meal, about being a covenant meal, a new covenant meal. When was the old covenant instituted? In Exodus. But Jesus is saying the old covenant couldn't quite do it for God's people. So Jesus has come with a new covenant. What's the essence of this new covenant? I will be their God and they will be my people and I will remember their sins no more. That's the work that Jesus has come to do. It is a pulling out work and a pulling in work. Listen to the language that Peter and others use to describe the New Testament church in their life together. But you, speaking of Jews and Gentiles all together like us, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into light. His beloved people, because once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The Christian life in every way is an exodus shaped life. We could say it like this. The Christian life is a greater exodus from a greater bondage, from greater powers, through a greater Passover, by one greater than Moses, to a land better than Canaan. Do you see how that works? It's building up to something greater. Jesus has come to bring us out of the wreckage of sin and misery and death and Satan and to close that gap between God and humanity. And if you want to know what the final stage of this pulling out and bringing in looks like, 
we get a beautiful picture from the very end of Revelation. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with humanity. And He will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That is what we are being brought into by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because here's what we all know. We all have dreams in our life that we work for. And what we know is that there is a price tag to every single dream that we pursue. In order for the dreams that we have to become a reality, it takes blood, it takes sweat, it takes tears, it takes a whole lot of human effort to make this happen. And the same is true for this picture. And I'm going to close with this. This this picture that we were given, this dream, no crying, no death, these things have passed away. It comes with a big, big price tag. It's a price tag that that we cannot pay, but it's a price tag that Jesus himself paid with his own blood, his own sweat, his own tears to make it a reality for us. The story of the Exodus is not the great things we do to deliver ourselves up out of misery and bring us in good standing into God's family. It's what God is doing through his son to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. For Christ, our Passover lamb was sacrificed for us. His life for ours, that he might bring us out and that he might bring us in. That is the story of the Exodus. Exodus was written for us. And the Exodus story is our story. And the story of Exodus is the gospel, the good news that we all need. Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you that you are the God of deliverance who uh, pulls out and who pulls in. Not because of our goodness, but solely because of your grace. We thank you for a love that does not hold back, but a love that endures, a love that perseveres. And as we journey together, would we be truly amazed at the rich treasures that we find in this ancient book? Would you use it to instruct and guide us? But even more, would you use it to give us encouragement and would you use it to give us hope? Because it points to your Son who is the true source of all the encouragement and hope that we truly need. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.